1: Welcome back, Tuesday, December 12th, 2023. I am Seth Liebson. To my right, I have David Dahl, my producer, right in front of me, separated by several panes of glass in a, in a, in a, in a hallway, and uh, Miss Terry separated by more panes of glass for me, and thus, David, in a near-Missinibim effect. Near-Missinibim. With all eyes opening up to the scandal that is, the scandals that are our system of higher education, our colleges and universities, Gerard Baker at The Wall Street Journal offers some help in understanding where it is that we are. Leave aside the kinds of stories of professors being found out for engaging in past crimes, like the Oberlin professor found guilty of mass slaughter when he lived in and worked for the malacracy of Iran— Or the stories of professors fudging and faking their data in order to prove ideological positions not otherwise provable, like systemic racism. Or professors being let go because of their violent acts on behalf of political causes, like physically roughing up pro-lifers. These are all symptomatic of the larger problem. Harvard is much in the news these days, and its founding motto, Veritas or Truth, is a good starting point. To what ails? Just yesterday, we had occasion to quote from Alan Bloom's Closing of the American Mind, published about 35 years ago. Let me provide another quote from that book. I'm quoting here. There is one thing a professor can be absolutely certain of. Almost every student entering the university believes or says he believes that truth is relative. If this belief is put to the test, one can count on the student's reaction. They will be uncomprehending. That anyone should regard the proposition as not self-evident astonishes them, as though he were calling into question 2 plus 2 equals 4. These are the things you don't think about. The students' backgrounds are as various as America can provide. Some are religious, some atheists, some are to the left, some to the right. Some intend to be scientists, some humanists or professionals or businessmen. Some are poor, some rich. They are unified only in their relativism, close quote. He goes goes on to explain, quote, the students, of course, cannot defend their opinion. It is something with which they have been indoctrinated. But this has shifted and turned since Alan Bloom wrote that. Yes, truth is still relative, but right thinking politically is not relative. It comes with an input and outcome dependent right way to think, right way to find outcomes, right answers to value and political proposition, any political propositions and questions. This right think, once known as politically correct thinking, comes with a hardened certainty, not to mention demagoguery, and it is only one ideological direction. And now you can see why we care so much about our campuses. Here's what happened in our campuses. Truth, real truth, was first doubted and then dispensed with. And it was replaced with ideological certainty. Not truth, but ideological certainty. A certainty based on subjectivism. It may be, for instance, true that an unborn child or fetus is a growing entity and anything that grows is alive. But it is a certainty that the right to cancel or kill that life is an absolute. It may be, for instance, true that all human beings have the capacity of thought Pain and life, irrespective of their gender or race, but it is a certainty that rights and privileges categorically and ordinately must flow to people based on certain races and genders. It may be, for instance, true that our criminal code is clear on prohibiting and punishing certain conduct. When violating those prohibitions, but it is a certainty that the right to be excused from violating those prohibitions or greater leniency in the punishment of those violations should obtain based on certain characteristics of the violator and factors irrelevant to the victim. It may be, for instance, true that the punishment for students at Harvard who are caught plagiarizing must withdraw from Harvard, but it is a certainty that if you are a member of a certain race or gender or the president of Harvard with the right political views, such violations will not matter. It may be, for instance, true that the United Nations was formed to in part protect and in its Declaration of Rights states it is there to protect freedom of speech and belief But it is a certainty that if you are a country that embraces Marxism or any non-Judeo-Christian majority, you will not be sanctioned for violations of such and can even sit and vote on the Security Council. It may be true, for instance, that it is a universal war crime when women are physically abused or children kidnapped as a matter of war or politics, but it is a certainty that some kinds of women's and children's abuse will be ignored or excused if they live in certain countries others do not like. All of this is resultant from the attenuation of universal and singular standards, including truth, which brings us to Gerard Bradley's piece in today's Wall Street Journal. For there, he writes, in an open letter written to the Harvard and world community shortly after her congressional testimony last week, Harvard President Claudine Gay wrote, I got caught up in what had become at that point an extended combative exchange about policies and procedures. Substantively, I failed to convey what is my truth. Close quote. Few phrases are as reliable as my truth for identifying seasoned purveyors of cant and double talk. Truth isn't something that can be identified or modified by a possessive pronoun. If my truth is different from your truth and your truth is different from her truth, these aren't truths. My truth is the device deployed to elevate the particular viewpoint of a member of a particular group or identity by claiming the validation of the truth for a narrow ideological cause. The motto of Harvard University is Veritas. While it seems that study of the classics has been downgraded, Butler writes at our elite institutions, and rejected as irredeemably racist, there are presumably still enough people in the faculty who know enough Latin to understand the word veritas. They at least should know that at Harvard and the rest of our most prestigious universities, truth has been deposed and replaced with the monomaniacal ideology of the my-truth crowd. The discomfiture, humiliation, and even removal of a university president or two caught demonstrating their dishonesty are welcome developments, but the damage is deep and abiding, and it is far from clear whether it can ever be repaired. What we know is that Claudine Gay will not be removed. That vote has come in. The Harvard Corporation is keeping her and defending the discovery of her plagiarism in her academic writings as, quote, instances of inadequate citation, close quote. You can, in other words, change an objective truth to a subjective truth by inserting a pronoun before it, even when we all know that pronoun is introducing an opinion and not an objective truth. As we now know, you can redefine plagiarism with euphemisms to escape punishment for violating the rules of plagiarism. Terrorists can escape judgment and punishment if identified as freedom fighters if only for the right-thinking cause, of course. Just as terrorist organizations can be called liberation organizations, if only for the right-thinking causes. Namely, since the 1950s, on behalf of anti-colonialism, anti-racism, and anti-imperialism. Of course, however, those terms are to be defined. After all, right here in River City, we don't have criminals or ex-cons. We have justice-involved persons. And down south of River City in Lukeville, what you see are not illegal immigrants, but rather undocumented Americans. Language is funny that way. We were once taught to believe and think that commonly understood words needed definition, which implies to bind with certainty or a universally understood meaning of things, so that we could communicate and reason, so that we could understand one another. That, for instance, was how we knew Men were not horses or dogs or gods, but it may be your truth that things are otherwise. Ralph Waldo Emerson put it that words are signs of natural fact and a man's power to connect his thought with its proper symbol. And so to utter it depends on the simplicity of his character that is upon his love of truth and his desire to communicate it without loss. The corruption of man is followed by the corruption of language, he continues, when simplicity of character and the sovereignty of ideas is broken up by the prevalence of secondary desires, the desires of riches, of pleasure, of power, and of praise, and duplicity and falsehood take the place of simplicity and truth. The power over nature as an interpreter of the will is lost. New imagery ceases to be created, and old words are perverted to stand for things which they are not. And in due time... The fraud is manifest. Well, the fraud is manifest, folks, and it's here. And the task is greater than the removal of just a few presidents from their perches at a few of our schools. I'm Seth Leibson, 602 Be right back. Today is uh, Francis Albert Sinatra's 108th birthday indeed. Uh, who is that, Dean Martin with him?
2: That's Dean and Frank from the 1967 Christmas special. I told you I scoured the internet for all these songs.
1: Yeah, so Sinatra, you know, his voice was better as he got older, but I don't think we'll get any Christmas music out of him from his older years, his post-1965 years probably, so... I'm guessing we'll have the younger Sinatra voice to the degree we have Sinatra Christmas music today. He didn't write most of his songs. He wrote one very famous song. It is a Christmas song. Uh, Do you know what song that is, Young David? He
2: wrote a song? He did. I know he was somewhat famous as a conductor. It's one of my
1: favorite Christmas songs.
2: Oh, man. That he wrote.
1: Yeah. Mistletoe and Holly.
2: I didn't know he wrote that. Yeah. Oh, by gosh, by golly, yeah. it's time for Mistletoe and Holly. Yes. Yeah. Can we play that at some I know point? exactly the song. It yeah. was first performed on a Bull of a Christmas special. And that Christmas special I have on DVD because you can't find it anywhere anymore. Why right? am I not
1: surprised?
2: And I used to watch that every year that I put up my Christmas tree with my family.
1: He actually wrote it, yeah. I didn't realize he wrote it, though. And he didn't write yeah. much, yeah. It's a Bull of a Not a bad. Song. Not a bad song to dine out on, right, as they say. <laughs> You know what yeah. you know that expression when someone no. does like one big huge I mean Sinatra did a million huge things but like particularly if the it's a one hit wonder or something oh, like, like that Oh like that rocking around the christmas tree yeah, stuff you'd Yeah you can say that's a, you can dine out on that one for a while <laughs> you know you can you can pay your dinner bills. Still on Still collecting that royalties Yeah yeah uh Sinatra huge impact uh influence on my life um I just always loved loved everything about him, with the exception of one thing I have arguments with a dear friend about, but um, just such an important part of America, uh, such an important—I I just don't think culturally the 20th century would have been the same without Sinatra—such an important part of civil rights, uh, so very dedicated to it, and charitably so, uh, wouldn't stay at hotels where his black musicians couldn't stay at. Um, and Hotels Wanting Sinatra, you know, they broke down those segregation barriers that away. way uh, his, um, his feature film uh, from 1946, 47, The House I Live In, it was played, I think, in almost every movie studio in America at the time. It's about 11 minutes. It's a short. It's about fighting anti-Semitism. The house I live in that great song the house I live in uh, what is America to me it was uh, you can see you can still see the film on YouTube uh, if you haven't seen it young David you'll like it, but it's about anti-Semitism and he talks about is 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 our blood is our blood different and um, the style of course um, I've controversially said on these airwaves that I don't think that there is a man older than 55 who at some point in his life wasn't getting out of the shower and getting ready for a date, listening to or singing a Frank Sinatra song. Um, Anyway, just just a hugely important part of our culture. And uh, anyway, uh, I commemorate his birthday every year and uh, we do so here today. Speaking of. Uh, did, yes, did you I want to say... I was just going
2: to say, you taught me some things. What did I teach you? You taught me that Frank Sinatra was buried with very specific items that he requested Three. to be put in his casket. Three And things. you own all of them. Yeah.
1: Do I own all of them?
2: I think you do. You've yeah, shown me one of them. <laughs> oh, I
1: have, yeah. Black, yes. Black Jack chewing gum. Yes. <laughs> Wild Cherry Lifesavers. Mm-hmm. And a bottle of Jack Daniels. And a bottle of Jack. Yeah. Yeah. Which you can usually find in most... Do you know that... Um, that Jack Daniel's story is kind of interesting. It was one of the most famous essays ever printed. It was a 1965 essay for Esquire by Gay Talese. Frank Sinatra has a cold. Do you know it? You can get it.
2: I actually do because she went around and followed him.
1: Gay he, believe it or not. Oh, gay, gay is a he, but yes. Okay. Yes. Well, I guess that one. Will you mispronounced. You misgendered Gay Talese.
2: Apparently. Uh. <laughs> I will have to retroactively go back and apologize.
1: He um, he was asked by Gay Talese, uh if he was a religious man. And he says in the interview, I believe in whatever gets you through the night, be it a bottle of pills, a good woman or a bottle of Jack Daniels. And for weeks on end, after that article came out, stores, liquor stores couldn't stock enough Jack Daniels. But that is the basis for the song that John Lennon and Elton John later performed, wrote and performed when they were messing around in California, Whatever Gets You Through the Night. In fact, I think it might have been the last song John Lennon ever played live was that song with Elton John, if I'm not mistaken, live before an audience anyway. Anyway, huge uh, huge part of our culture. And for those that missed it, I regret it. I used to say that the first concert I ever went to was a 1986 concert, reunion concert with the Monkees and Gary Puckett and Herman's Hermits until one of my older sisters reminded me and said, You dummy, you made dad take you to see Frank Sinatra when you were 12 when he came to ASU. And she's right. So not a bad answer to that. Sinatra was my very Sinatra first Sinatra came to ASU. Yeah.
2: Wow. I bet you we could go look that up. We had nosebleeds. Public information. Figure out his set list and yeah. we'll look and find you in the audience. You, you, I was way up
1: in the <laughs> nosebleeds. I was way up. But I remember Barry Goldwater was in the audience. I oh, really? That. He came wow. on stage with Barry Goldwater. Yeah. Barry Goldwater brought him to the stage. Well,
2: that probably would have been in Sinatra's Reagan years.
1: Well, yes, yeah, certainly. In 1980, he was big for Reagan, and he orchestrated the inaugural gala for Ronald Reagan in, mm-hmm. in 1980. And again, maybe in 1984, if I'm not
2: mistaken.
1: He and Don Rickles, yeah. Don Rickles uh, was part of it. Uh, Tom Selleck was part of it. There was a um, a group of entertainers for Reagan, that, uh, and I forget what it was called. Bill Bennett tells the story. And Bill Bennett, as the chairman of the National Endowment for the Humanities at the time, convened a meeting, a board meeting of them. Uh, And it was your Tom Sellex and all these other famous um, entertainers who were supporting Reagan. Probably Steve and Edie Gourmet were there, I'm guessing. And they went around the table and they each said their names and what they did, you know, actor, actress, and um, when it came to Sinatra, Bill was saying to me, you know, everyone was like, how's he going to introduce himself? <laughs> you know, Frank Sinatra, the legend, Francis Albert Sinatra, saloon singer. That's what he that's what he wanted to be remembered as saloon, a saloon singer. And if you want to get a sense of that, one for my baby, one for the road is probably is probably the best theatrical performance he does. But um, Anyway, I didn't mean to do this whole segment on Sinatra. I could do 10 more. I promise you I won't. (laughs) Okay. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. We did that specially for John Dombrowski, who is our uh, culture and economy expert, the founder and president of Grand Canyon Planning Associates, grandcanyonplanning.com his website, because he said yesterday, did you not, John, say that this yes. is your favorite Christmas song? I gave Christmas you the song? hint. Yeah. Gave you the hint, yes. He gave me the hint. Do you know who wrote that song?
3: Oh, boy, you got me on that one.
1: David, young David knows. It was Mel Torme.
3: Oh, Mel Torme. yeah, Velvet, Velvet yeah. Uh, Frog, right? The Velvet
1: Frog, exactly. Or Fog. fog. <laughs> frog. <laughs> <Why>? yeah, frog. <laughs> well, he kind of had a frog-like look. Did he? Yeah, kind and of.
3: Kermit, is Kermit his son? Is that, no, yeah. <laughs> Kermit, for <laughs> <Tormant. velvet> Frog. <laughs> We're just um, taking everyone down today. <laughs> hey, you know, of course, Frank Sinatra's birthday today, too, as well. Of
1: course, that's so, right. obviously,
3: that's... happy birthday to Frank. Uh, and something else that's very that's... interesting on this date, we haven't really done much in this culture yes, side sir. of things, but, you know, um, you are a very big part of radio, and... uh December 12th, 1901, was the first international uh, uh, radio right. signal That's right. That's sent right, across uh, right That's transatlantic uh, well signal. Well
1: done. Well, you're a big part of radio, too. So thank you for that. Uh, you bet. But thank for, you. Uh, but for that uh, moment uh, in uh, 1901.
3: Yes, Marconi. We yep.
1: wouldn't be here. All right. Talk to me about inflation, John. Some interesting uh, news on it
3: yeah we actually uh did get uh, some inflation numbers for November. The breakdown is uh slightly lower than no- October just right. by one tenth of one percent right uh inflation numbers up uh three point one percent year oh. over year now these are year over year numbers right so from November last year to November this year is what we're talking about and these reports come out on a monthly basis mm-hmm. uh, a little bit lower than um than last month uh, and we're seeing uh you know some of the highest still inflationary uh numbers out there are in it's juices and drinks i mean they break this down but uh, 18.6% uh and it goes all the way down to uh you know on other types of products and services mm-hmm. that we have mm-hmm. uh but but it's interesting and they average it all out averages out to 3.1%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the big thing is we did see a a big drop in um in gas prices, which is uh, surprising. So uh, that's been a positive. Uh, But we usually do get some lower prices in the winter. The summer is when we usually see those prices start to spike.
1: The one item here in this breakdown that's so interesting to me, I have felt it, everyone I
0: know has felt it,
1: perhaps you have not or you have, motor vehicle insurance. Everyone I I talk to, including myself, is complaining about motor vehicle insurance. And
3: homeowners, too. Oh, really? insurance as well. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Incredible. no I agree I have felt I mean it, almost and, uh, unaffordable
1: yes 20 up 20 uh, up
3: yep I, I I actually called my agent I and I too. said I, I saw the my monthly bill and I said wait a minute yeah. I said there's got to be a mistake yeah, I is, did is too. this isn't this annual I know he goes no that's monthly yeah. <laughs> I'm going
1: what? I know that's exactly the conversation <laughs> I had. <laughs>
3: It's exactly the same conversation. It's crazy. Yeah, uh, you know, And if you look at some of the insurance carriers out there, they're not really doing all that great either, as far as you know, market uh, the mar- as far as stock market goes. And, oh, is and, that uh, right? And prices, yeah, because a lot of these are you know some of the claims that they've been having. Obviously, things are more expensive, yeah. especially on homeowners insurance. You know, yeah. if you get a a claim against your homeowners insurance now, if you had a whether it's a pipe that had burst or. Uh, some type of a, a roof issue because of a storm i mean everything is so much more expensive now so this is why again we're starting to feel the pinch on it
1: do you agree one of the articles i saw had a first sentence i think over at the wall street journal the victory dance on inflation will have to wait though down the victory dance isn't here yet right it's a slow um dance.
3: you know it's it's obviously hard to say yeah. but um it's going in the right direction. Okay. Whether or not we're going to see maybe a, a slowdown. It's only one tenth of one percent from month over month. Right. Uh, but if you look at that, that's, you know, bringing it down one percent on an annual basis, right? If, if you had 1.2 percent, a total 1.2 percent drop, if it was one tenth of a percent every month. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I think that that's reasonable. I mean, just as fast as it rose, I don't think we're going to see it fall as fast. Okay. Um, so it may be sticking around a little longer than we would like, but... Uh, I think at least we're moving in the right direction. And I think that's Some of these the will probably not part.
1: reduce ever, though, even as inflation goes down. True. I bet you I'm right about the auto insurance. We're not going to see, right? And labor. Yeah, and you labor. Know, you think about labor. And labor. Good point, yeah. John.
3: You know, real estate prices have held fairly steady, but it uh, looks like there could be uh, signs of some weakness in real estate as well coming up. But we'll see.
0: Nicely put. Thanks,
3: brother. You bet. Grand Canyon Planning Associates uh, at uh, GrandCanyonPlanning.com. Securities and advisory services offered through Creative One Securities LLC. A member of Henry and and an investment advisor. Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC and Creative One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Thank you, Seth. Bless you, John. Okay, bye.
1: Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. A friend of ours texted, not surprised at all young David had that Sinatra video. Well done. Tasty pheasants. Have you ever had pheasant? No, have you? Yes, I have.
2: Well why don't you bring some in for the office it's to share? Not you can't taste- just... It's not tasty. That's what they call gatekeeping,
1: Seth. It's not tasty.
2: How was your uh, how was your dinner last night? I heard you had something akin to pheasant last night. <laughs> Chicken. Yeah. Chicken, it yes. Was it fine. was uh, of the ground dwelling <laughs> variety. It was it fine. Bur- <laughs> it was fine.
1: Have you ever had pheasant, Bill? No, it's not a it's not a good It's just not. It's just, <laughs> I don't know what more to say. Let's go to Raymond in Scottsdale. Hi Raymond. <laughs>
4: Hello, Seth. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. Uh, in the early 60s, I was dating a girl. I was in Cincinnati, but she uh, she got a job in New York as a stewardess. I can say stewardess. Yeah, in the 60s, we um, would have called
1: them stewardesses, yes. In those, in those yes, days. Yes, in the parlance um, of that time.
4: Absolutely. So I went up to visit her, and, um, and she wanted to go to see Frank Sinatra at the Forest Hills Tennis Club, Fabulous. which is— now, the West Side Tennis Club, but yep. they still have the Forest Hills Stadium there. Which is about 14,000 people. So I went in, and all these guys were dragged in there by their girlfriends and <laughs> wives, and, and they sat back, leaned way back in their seats, and thought, you know, come on, show me something. This guy's not going to show me. And all of a sudden, you could see them, they started straightening up a yeah. little bit, yeah. a little bit more. Yeah. And by about the end of his second song, they were all on the edge of their seats. Of course, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, it was outstanding. Yeah,
1: not so. really anything that could be recreated. You either had that or you didn't. Yep. And he had yep. that. Yeah, he just had so. that thing. Was he the best singer in the world? No. Were there better singers from Hoboken? You bet. But he had something, man. He just had that yep. that something. What year would that have been, so
4: that, Raymond? Oh, it have been around
1: 1962. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Interesting.
4: 62, 63. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, yeah. God love you. Thank you for that. I love those stories. Good old America, yeah. you know, classic America. That's all I got. Uh, that's no, America. it's 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 a lot. It's a lot. I mean, to be a, that's that's why. By the way, that is why I told my dad when I was whatever eleven or twelve. I said, you know, I want to go see Sinatra, and he said, why? And I <laughs> and I said, so I can say I did, so that I can say uh-huh. that I did. Um, Oh, young David found the set list from the Sinatra concert I went to. Seriously, David. Ah, that looks later than I. Well, it would have been a standard set list, but um, I I, I think I saw him earlier than that. Is that the only one you could find where he was at ASU? He has it at 1983. I thought it was closer to
4: 1980. The set list was. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I have a friend in Cincinnati who has a bar. Yeah. And. He has tons of clocks on the wall, all kinds of different clocks, and every one of them is set at quarter to three.
1: No one in the place except you and me, so set them up. Joe, I got a little story I think you ought to know. We're drinking, my friend, to the end of a brief episode. Make it one for my baby and one for the road. How am I doing?
4: Outstanding. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I love it. Really do. That's great. That's uh it's just America.
2: That's the earliest I'm finding. Okay, it may have been. I, you know,
1: memories fade with they time. They also
2: performed there in '86. and no. twice in '88.
1: No, this would have been earlier. I get a kick out of you. Come rain or come shine, this is all I ask. I've got the world on a string. Theme from New York, New York. Here's to the band. Here's to the band is an interesting story. Um, that was written by a name, a man called Artie Shrek. And his wife is a woman named Linda November. And Linda November was a regular caller. They live in Vegas. Linda November is a regular caller to the Bill Bennett show when I was working with Bill Bennett and producing or co-hosting or guest hosting that show. Linda November, um, you will know her. Speaking about being able to dine out on something. Do you remember the commercial, meow, 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 meow? That was her. That was Linda. Okay. That was her voice? She was, She. She was the, yeah, she was the jingle lady.
2: I was going to say, I didn't know that cats could call the Bill Bennett show.
1: No, that was her. And she also did, hey, she did the Mean Joe Green Pepsi commercial. Oh, that's, to, yeah, yeah. Yeah, have yeah. a coconut, or whatever she the Pepsi slogan was. No, yeah. well, it would have been Pepsi, whatever Pepsi, the Pepsi line was. I don't remember, but. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Linda November, I bet she's still around. She They entertain in Vegas. Here's to the band. There's
2: a lot of Frank Sinatra stories. I mean, I spent some of my. I think he wrote it for me.
1: Sammy Davis originally, by the way. I think Artie Shrek wrote it for Sammy Davis. Sorry, go ahead.
2: Bert. Oh, I was just going to say, I spent some of my youth in Las Vegas, as you know. There are a lot of Frank Sinatra stories in Las Vegas. I had the. Some of
1: them are even true, I guess. <laughs> yeah, some of them are even <laughs> <Right>. true. Bulls <laughs>
2: in the Desert, not so much. Yeah. But I had the good opportunity once to meet Steve Wynn when he was uh, treasurer for the Republican National Committee. Yep. And this was about 2018 when I was working with the Republicans in Nevada, and he told stories of Frank Sinatra even in the 80s, staying at the Golden Nugget when Steve owned the Golden Nugget Uh and stealing towels and things like that Uh and saying never run out of towels and the stories that they used to share a suite and things like that when he would stay in town.
1: I think it was Coca-Cola. Mean Joe Green. Mm-hmm. I think it was. It was. It was. Share a
2: coke and a smile. Yeah. Yeah. Vision so, it right now. Yeah. That was hey, true. kid. He turns around and right. throws the coke to that's the kid. Right. That's right.
1: That's why you keep me around. That's why I keep you around. Anyway, that was all Linda November. And her husband wrote, Here's to the band. Uh, probably wrote some other stuff too. Artie Shrek. I've always liked that name. Artie Shrek. Okay. Uh, what was I talking about before I got distracted by the culture? Um, yes. <laughs> okay. This is a um this is this is going to bother for a while. Two things this week are going to bother, and I'd be curious as to where the audience is on this. Uh one is Vladimir Zelensky's um trip to Washington today. And the other is the impeachment vote that the House of Representatives will will um, will be undertaking per Mike Johnson. They're going to authorize a vote to hold hearings on impeachment. This isn't a vote to impeach. This is a vote to go forward with the impeachment inquiry. Um, and I was thinking a little bit about that second one on the way in today and about how I'm all for it. Clearly... You know, it's interesting. We were talking about um, Congressman Santos and how he got elected based on fraud. I think he got elected based on fraud. I mean, you can never. History doesn't reveal its alternatives. A- A.J.P. Taylor said history doesn't reveal its alternatives. But you wonder if Joe Biden might have gotten elected based And I'm not talking about the voting machine stuff, and I'm not talking about any of the other kinds of shenanigans that people tend to talk about when they talk about a fraudulent election. Just about the kinds of things he said with regard to his interests having to do with his son, China, and Ukraine. So, yes, let's have an inquiry. Let's have an inquiry. The first charge and indictment of Nixon in his impeachment was lying to the American people. Joe Biden should not be immune. Be right back. This is your way of getting me to listen to Bing Crosby, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. It's a subtle plot. It, it, yeah. It was kind uh, of a, yeah. It's, uh, what do they call that? I don't know. I'm trying yeah. to think of the word. There is it's one. It's like a brainwashing yeah. thing. We're you thinking know? of the same word. We'll think of it. Oh, my goodness. i yeah. will think of it. Gateway. Something like that. Yeah. It's like <laughs> the like gateway. The CIA. Yeah. <laughs> Folks, uh, part of portions of the show are brought to you by our good friends at Y ReFi. They are based here locally, by the way, headquartered here locally. Uh, Their offices are on Chauncey Lane in North Phoenix. You can visit them. I've been there any number of times and you won't be asked to sign anything or get a sales pitch from them. They just like talking about what it is they do. They leave the sales pitches up to me. What they have is a secure investment where you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return and it's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. ton of flexibility where you're in control. You can turn your income on or off. Compound it. Whatever you like. No fees. Absolutely no fees. There's no attack on principle if you ever need your money back. Think of that peace of mind. And you, of course, get a monthly statement with no surprises. Secure collateralized portfolio may be a better option for you than where you have your money now. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then com. Or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-24. That's 888-Y-REFI-24. There's an interesting um, an interesting um, article over Real Clear Politics I wanted to share with you all. Maybe I'll do that at the top of the next hour. About the history of nominating conservatives in the Republican Party and... Um, And how that history is determinative of why Ron DeSantis hasn't caught on more. And uh, there's something interesting to it, and I want to talk about it. Because I I do remember uh, at the beginning of this year, and this year certainly went fast, but at the beginning of this year, it was um, all Ron DeSantis all the time much like it was Scott Walker when he ran and Rudy Giuliani before that. But Rudy Giuliani wasn't running for the conservative nomination. That's the nomination that ultimately, after all, did go to John McCain. But there is something interesting about conservatives running for president in the Republican Party, and we'll talk about that when we come back or anything else on your mind. 602 We'll be right back.